0: This week, on Myths and Legends, we're finishing up our current run of King Arthur episodes. We'll learn that Lancelot's idea of stealth is just galloping, but a little quieter. And that if you come at the king, you best not miss. Or do. You're actually probably okay either way. The creature this time is a tiny cat in a top hat. Who just wants to cover you in burning hot coals. This is Myths and Legends. Episode 233C Not Dead Yet. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the podcast, we met Lancelot, again, as he joined the round table and started off on his adventures. He ended up toppling the evil Dolorous Guard, but just as he did, their leader got away, prompting a quest by Lancelot to go find him. This was such a big deal in the Arthurian world that word will immediately spread to Camelot, prompting a visit from King Arthur himself. young man gasped as the bronze statue fell inside the wall. Screams came up as the knights of the Dolorous Guard scattered and fled. The young man didn't rush toward the castle like the rest of the villagers. He ran for the stables. The Dolorous Guard had fallen. The land had been freed. King Arthur had to know. "'Do you know who I am?' Gawain yelled out to the servant above the gate. "'Of course I do,' the man yelled back. "'Okay, well, can I come in?' the greatest knight in the world replied. "'Still no,' the servant said, before dropping from view and descending some steps. Or just doing that thing where you pretend like you do that before coming back up. "'He stood corrected, dear Sir Knight. Gawain and his fellow knights may enter the first gate.' Inside, there sits a graveyard. There are a few graves that Gawain should see. Gawain narrowed his eyes. He wasn't so sure about the mischievous snickering, but he was glad to be let in at least one gate. Sure, open up. They didn't, but they did throw open a side door for some of the knights of the round table. A vanguard for Arthur, who was on his way. Inside, the people of the castle were cleaning up the smashed and broken bronze statue trying to pick the bits of night out from underneath. It was going to take a few weeks for that one. Gawain and the others were diverted from the closed gate ahead and taken to a graveyard. It was wide. There were graves of those who had died there. Now, Gawain walked with a hermit monk he had picked up on the way there, probably because, as a hermit monk, the man's schedule was pretty much clear, and also Gawain was a knight and a lord, and basically commanded the man to follow. As Gawain strode through the cemetery, he nodded at grave after grave. Hmm, very good, yes. These were all graves. The monk grabbed Gawain's arm. Hold up, did Gawain know what he was looking at here? (laughs) Gawain smirked. "Uh, A bunch of headstones. It's a graveyard. Try to keep up. The monk pulled Gawain to the side. Gawain couldn't read could he? Gawain staggered back. Now where did the monk get that idea? The monk said that when Gawain picked him up, he asked if the monk could read, looked relieved when the monk said yes, and then asked him to follow. Gawain told the monk to keep it down. He had his phonic scrolls and he was working on it, and literacy was very rare in this time, like 6% of the population. The monk said that he understood, and it was admirable that Gawain was working on it, He needed to know what those gravestones said, though, because on them were names of knights, knights of the round table, knights who had died challenging the Dolorous Guard. There were dozens of graves here, and if even half of those knights were Arthur's, the king was at risk. Gawain, now focused on the names and sounding it out, started to recognize some. They were names of men he and Arthur had thought to be out doing the knight-errant thing. Some had been gone for months, others years, but they had all ended up here. The monk was right. The king was in danger. He had to know immediately. Gawain pushed past the smirking servant, and he and his knights rushed out of the small door, back to their horses, and made for the road. But when they got there, the knights hesitated. It was nearly night time. They couldn't ride home in the dark. They'd have to leave at first light. They turned toward the village and saw a white-haired man in finery sitting atop his horse. Who are you? Gawain asked. The man replied that he was a vavasor, a lord and a vassal who had his own castle. Hey, that rhymes. He couldn't help overhearing because he was right here the whole time. Gawain was looking for a place to lodge for the night. Gawain said that he was. The vavasor clapped his hands. Well, look no further. He had the greatest stronghold in this region, less than a crossbow shot away from the Dolorous Guard. About 400 meters? A quarter mile away? Gawain asked. The Vavasor nodded. That was about the maximum distance for a medieval crossbow. Besides, if they came to stay with him, he would speak to them regarding the magic of this place. Gawain cocked his head. Magic? The Vavasor refused. Not here. Not out in the open. "'Come with him,' he whispered to his son, who, yes, I guess had been there the whole time, and the young man spurred his horse to a gallop to prepare the home for the knights of the round table. Gawain shrugged. He could demand the floor of some peasant's house or go with this vavasaur, who after five minutes of conversation seemed like a straight shooter. Sure, he gestured to the vavasaur, "'Lead the way.' It was only like a quarter mile away, so they made it pretty quickly. When they got to the castle, the Vavasor told them all to get comfortable. He had the stable hands ready to take their horses to his surprisingly full stables, pages to help them out of their armor, and about 30 men with crossbows ready to murder them as soon as they all entered into the great room on the second floor. Wait, what? Gawain said, confused. This wasn't hospitable at all. He reached for his sword, but it was gone because he had left it downstairs after he trusted someone he talked to for five minutes on the road. He was about to tell everyone to stand down when one of his knights, Galgotten, yelled out and charged the armed and armored knights with his fists. They sliced out at his legs and after they finished subduing him with their boots, Gawain only nodded and threw up his hands. He and the rest of the knights of the round table who had come with him were prisoners of the Dolorous Dungeon, which for some reason stood a quarter mile away from the Dolorous Guard. (laughs) A few days later, two knights stood over King Arthur. Some knights were out there fighting dragons, others freeing captives and earning glory. They they were holding up a sheet over the head of the king while he dipped his calves in the river. Things had slowed down since Conqueror Arthur became King Arthur. Join the round table, they said. Go on adventures, they said. Their only adventure as Arthur's personal guard was to watch the king dip his sweaty feet and varicose-veined calves in the water so he could cool off on his trip to the castle of the Dolorous Guard. Sir knight, what be your name? A voice yelled out from the other side of the river. All three men looked up to see a white-haired knight on his horse. Lance out. I'm not a knight, Arthur said. I'm King Arthur, see the crown? Hey, where's my crown? The knight beside him lowered the sheet and whispered into his ear. Arthur nodded. Crown's packed away, but I'm King Arthur. Who are you? The knight sneered behind his face mask. I'm the knight that's going to kill you. The knight lowered his lance and charged the hapless king. Arthur splashed up from the river and then paused. Oh, the attacking knight uh, misjudged the depth of the river. His horse was swimming with him on top of it. It was like he was riding through molasses. Arthur settled back down on the riverbank, dipping his feet back in. He looked up to his knights, still holding the sheet on sticks above his head. Well, get that guy. The knights nodded. Yes! They dropped the sheet and waded out into the water. The horse was close, closing in on the shallows. Arthur watched his two knights wading through the water, and the first one there grabbed the tip of the lance, wrenching it from the hand of the attacker. The other was on his tippy-toes, in grabbing distance of the horse's bridle. The attacking knight shrieked and turned his horse, kicking out at the knight. One knight held out the attacker's lance. Arthur gave him a thumbs up. Hey, yeah, good job. The other was considering following the knight. Don't do that. You're in full armor. You'll drown. Come back here, Arthur commanded, and the knight obeyed. As the knights drip-dried, they held up their armored gauntlets, making a fist. No one attacks their king with impunity. They will take a whole team of knights and go after the attacker. No, you'll pick up that sheet and hold it. It's hot out here. It's one guy and frankly, he didn't seem all that dangerous. Arthur said that this was the clumsiest attempt on his life. And he had been through a lot of them. You're staying here, Arthur commanded. The two knights sighed, picked up the sticks with the sheet on them, and continued shielding their king from the sun. Two days later, King Arthur stood on Castle Rock, before the gates of the Dolorous Guard, a place where even he wouldn't have dared to approach a week ago. There had been an alleged change in management, but that didn't keep them from keeping him out. Hi, um, I'm not trying to pull rank or be one of those do you have any idea who I am guys, but do you have any idea who I am? Arthur barked. He would give the knight at the gate one guess. Notice him pointing to the crown. The knight held up his hands. Okay, he knew. Look, he wasn't thrilled about not being allowed to open the gate for the King Arthur. The knight loved the guy's work. Pushing back the Saxons, uniting the realm, ending the civil war, all great stuff. He was building his resume for joining the Round Table, but orders were orders. He wasn't allowed to let anyone in, even King Arthur. Arthur said that this was an outrage. He couldn't believe this knight's insolence. He had half a mind to lay siege to this stronghold. Uh, once again, with all due respect, and I've been ordered to say this if anyone threatened us with force, but, uh, do it. Try, the knight said with a wince. He said that this castle had existed as an evil fortress that literally murdered any of King Arthur's knights that passed. If Arthur was going to attack, he would have done it by now. Once again, all due respect, love your work, the knight was going to go before this got even more awkward. The knight's head ducked beneath the wall, and after 15 more minutes of shouting, Arthur was left to find a place to stay in town. "'Well, he got away,' Lancelot said upon his return. Several days later, he had taken a horse and scoured the land for the leader of the Dolorous Guard, who had fled the moment Lancelot took over the castle. Lancelot, bruised and bloody, had been forced to let him go so that he himself could recover. But by the time he was able to ride, blood still soaking his bandages, the trail had long gone cold. Still, he searched. The curse that hung over the Dolorous Guard and the surrounding lands would remain as long as the former leader lived Lancelot called in a servant one of those from the town who had been pressed into service by the previous evil Dolorous guard Status report No one has entered the main gate Sir Get it get it sir because you're a knight and you're actually a sir the servant barked and then gushed Tough to turn King Arthur away but that's the job What No Lancelot spat back King Arthur stopped by The man nodded. Mm hmm. And he didn't let the High King of their land in. Good first week or great first week? Gawain, Yvain, and the others arrived too. Lancelot heard from the darkened corner of the room. He turned to see one of the ladies of the lake emerge from the shadows. Lancelot smiled, while the servant fretted a bit. How how did she get in here? Ah, he was so fired. She continued they had been captured by the leader of the Dolorous Guard. Lancelot begged her to explain. She said that, before a very unsuccessful attempt on King Arthur's life, the former leader of the Dolorous Guard had met Gawain, Yvain, and others. Ones that Arthur had sent to learn about the fall of the Dolorous Guard. The rule was that you shouldn't take candy from strangers, but a free knight in the best stronghold in Britain? Oh yeah, go for it. The Dolorous leader wasn't technically lying either because they did get to stay in the best stronghold in Britain. Just the dungeon of the best stronghold in Britain. Next time you make sure you get that room number when you make a reservation. Lancelot drew his sword, asking where this stronghold was. Wait, seriously? A quarter mile away? How did I not find that already? The lady of the lake threw up her hands as she honestly had no idea. we'll see Lancelot learn the fantasy-themed and definitely not at all still commonplace name of the Captain of the Dolorous Guard, but that will be read after this. Brandon. His name is Brandon, Lancelot said, as he and the Lady of the Lake rode to the Dolorous Prison. Brandon of the Isles, the lady continued. Yeah, it's like IN at the end, so it's a little more fantasy like, like Joffrey or Eddard Stark, but you know, Brandon. Well, we'll show Brandon not to mess with us. It, sorry, it just doesn't have a great ring to it, like a dark medieval fantasy boss. The lady shrugged. It's, well, that's what she was tasked with telling him. Oh, and also the love thing. Wait, love thing? Lancelot asked. The lady said, yeah, she was here to tell him about Brandon, but also to deliver a message for him not to fall in love with a woman that will make him an idle knight, but a better one. Lancelot stared off into the distance. Well, his adoptive mom didn't need to worry about that. He was already in love, and he would need to prove a lot to win her heart. Yeah, you might have to, you know, Lancelot, the lady said and waited for it. Lancelot grimaced. Oh, so funny. What? Come on, you can't be mad. You use lances a lot. It's a great name for a night. Little on the nose. You're like Buster Rhymes. Your name says exactly what you do. And suddenly, Brandon isn't so bad, right? Anyway, about Guinevere, I don't look so surprised. I'm a witch. I know things. She kinda hates you now. Lancelot spun around. What? The lady said yeah, she had been kept in that squalid little town for close to a week because knights were keeping her out of the castle on the orders of the white knight who she knows as the young man she knighted. She's the only one who knows that. She took it personally. Lancelot looked back to the castle. Oh man, well, okay, okay. He would come back with Gawain. That would help. He would come back and welcome them all to a feast, be the conquering hero. It would be okay. That or he would die and he wouldn't have to talk to them again. Solid backup plan. Why does my brother Kay have a broken lance in his thigh? King Arthur asked. The two knights who had dragged him back looked at each other and shrugged. They found him out in a field, about a quarter mile away. He had obviously been in some sort of duel, and it did not go well. Arthur shook his head, kicked a stool, and smashed a clay pot, all of which belonged to the peasant family, that had so graciously given up their home for the king to stay in, not at all under duress. Arthur sighed. Get him to the infirmary tent. Elsewhere in the night, Lancelot, the winner of the fight that had just taken place against Kay, rode into a clearing. The fight had been over Brandon, the leader of the Dolorous prison. Because, well, Lancelot got him. It had truly been a lucky break. After the Lady of the Lake peeled off to go back to the Dolorous guard, Lancelot had chanced upon a hermit who lived in the woods. He had once been a knight, but turned to the cloth, when seven of his kids died in one day. The text doesn't say how, but that would definitely prompt a life change. The guy didn't like all the Dolorous stuff going on in the area, And he hated that Brandon was still at large, and that the curse on this land persisted. But he did give Lancelot some key details. Lancelot learned that there were 150 enemy knights in the Dolorous prison. The hermit led Lancelot to the gate, where the knight waited until nightfall to make the attack. Now, you might be thinking that Lancelot would go in stealth. I mean, 150 knights? He can't face that head on. And he did go stealth, but in a very unstealthy way. His plan was to ride his horse up, stalking along the edge of the wall. When he arrived at two guards watching the gate, he charged. He trampled one, and stabbed the other through the shoulder. This wasn't the Dolorous guards' A-team, because not only did they not raise an alarm, but the most important of them, Brandon, their leader, had been just right outside the wall, talking to the two guards that got trampled and stabbed. He surrendered immediately, because I'm starting to think that he's not all that great at this. And Lancelot, knowing who he was, made a deal. He would take Brandon captive and, in exchange, Brandon wouldn't have Gawain and 22 other knights executed, as executing the hostages was the standard operating procedure of the Dolorous Prison. Lancelot glanced nervously up at the walls, gagged and hog-tied Brandon, and took him to the Hermit. On the way to the Hermitage, he ran into Kay, Arthur's brother and Seneschal, who had been out following up on some leads. He recognized Brandon as the guy who made the clumsy, watery attempt on Arthur's life a few days ago, and demanded the prisoner. Lancelot said he gave his word to Brandon, and they got in a short scuffle, which ended with Kay completely laid out on the ground. Lancelot checked to make sure that he wouldn't die, and dragged him to where a patrol would find him, and then he sped off toward the hermitage. We'll see what Lancelot does with Brandon of the Isles, but that, once again, will be right after this. I need you to hold him here for like a day or so, Lancelot explained to the hermit. Then Lancelot would set him free. If he gives you any guff, just like you, know, pop him in the jaw with the business end of your staff here. The hermit said first, he was a man of God? Lancelot shrugged. He didn't actually have to, just threaten it. I I heard that, Brandon said. Lancelot exhaled and held out a hand. Could he borrow that staff? The hermit handed in the staff. Thanks. After a short demonstration of what the hermit could do, the hermit interrupted. This man was the former Lord of the Dolorous Guard. As long as he lived, this land would be cursed. Lancelot gripped his hair, his face equal parts shocked and bemused. What, now the hermit wanted to kill the guy? Pump the brakes, Punisher. Lancelot promised him his life. The hermit held up his hands, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lancelot said kill, he didn't say kill. It would be a solution to the curse on this lands, but obviously not one a hermit could do. Good, Lancelot said. Because the knight promised Brandon his life in exchange for the lives of the Knights of the Round Table, stashed away in the Dolorous prison. The hermit shrugged. Yeah, no, he got that. He just hoped no accidents befell Brandon here. Lancelot narrowed his eyes and said, Yeah, so did he. Keep him safe. Lancelot will be back. The young knight ducked from the hut, but then dropped back in, grabbing the hermit's only knife off the table. He was taking this with him, you know, to prevent accidents. It's happening, it's happening, someone said, sprinting to the king. The messenger had run so quickly from the castle walls to the king, who was once again dipping his calves in the river, that by the time he got there, he couldn't even speak. It was a good minute or two, with Arthur rubbing his forehead in frustration, until the messenger managed to spit out that it was happening. He just received word. The castle of the Dolorous Guard was going to open up. Arthur jumped from the river, and ran as dignified as he could, a tasteful speed walk, up to the gate. Oh, sorry, no... No, not for you, the knight above the gate said, wincing. He was commanded to open the gate for no one but Sir Kay. Kay, Arthur said, but Kay was beaten so badly the night before that he was barely mobile. Coming up to the gate, even in a litter, a cart, would be extremely painful and humiliating for him. He couldn't even put pants on right now. On the other side of the gate, hidden, Lancelot laughed and gave a thumbs up to the knight, nodding. The knight looked back to the king, and just shrugged. Those were the rules. It took most of the afternoon, but for the good of the realm, and so King Arthur could get into the castle, and they could all get on with their lives, Kay agreed to be carried up to the gate. Of course, he was screaming the entire time, but when he made it up there, the chains rattled, and the oak creaked, and Kay, Arthur, Guinevere, and others, were finally allowed into the castle of the Dolorous Guard. And inside, they found weeping. Everyone, from servant to knight, was wailing at the top of their lungs. Arthur was confused as he walked around the place, trying to get any manner of answers from anyone, but no one was talking, only weeping loudly. This is weirdly in the original, and I have no explanation for it. It seems, after the initial misunderstanding where Arthur was kept out of the castle, Lancelot just decided to dig in. He ordered everyone in the castle to weep, to mess with Arthur, so Arthur wouldn't learn anything about the place until Lancelot wanted him to. Arthur was one of the first people to enter and as such, caught Lancelot as he was leaving. He only saw glimpses of the knight and his white armor as the young man put on his helmet and Arthur didn't recognize him. He was a sworn knight of Arthur's realm but he was also the new guy who was in Camelot for all of, I don't know, 30 hours before leaving on his first adventure. Arthur stopped Lancelot because Lancelot was the only knight who wasn't doubled over, weeping. He demanded answers but Lancelot asked if he would like his knights instead. Arthur pointed to the graveyard. They were all dead. The armor shook back and forth. Barely any of them, in fact. The knight was going to rescue them, but he had to leave now. Arthur gritted his teeth. Ah, okay, go. Lancelot took a glance at the people following the king. At the king's wife, Guinevere. She noticed Lancelot looking at her. Lancelot, for all of his will and planning and strength, could barely tear himself away from that spot. When he did... He didn't dare look back at the Queen, who was watching him leave. He knew that if he saw her again, he wouldn't be able to leave her. Do you, like, know that guy? Arthur asked. Guinevere didn't respond. She was too caught up in watching Lancelot ride off into the fading light of the afternoon. <music> You're free to go. Lancelot announced to the Knights of the Dolorous Prison. What happened to the Lord of the Dolorous Guard? Gawain shouted back, looking up the stairs, to the knight that was only a silhouette. He's riding from here as fast as this horse will take him, and I'm going after him, Lancelot announced. Who are you? I demand to know your name, Gawain said back. Someone who's in a better position than you to be making demands, the stranger said, and then disappeared through the doorway. When Gawain, Yvain, and others made their way up out of the dungeons, they found a locked door. By the time the knights, still in rags, were able to force their way through, their liberator was little more than a speck on the horizon. The remnant of the Dolorous Guard had surrendered when their leader was brought to the front gate with a sword to his neck, and they followed him into exile. So Gawain left a garrison there to hold the castle and returned to the castle of the Dolorous Guard to see his king. When Gawain rode through the gates of the Dolorous Guard ahead of multiple columns of knights that Arthur thought were long dead on account of the people trolling him into thinking that they were dead by putting actual headstones in the graveyard everyone cheered well almost everyone boo "'Boo, King Arthur, boo, Guinevere, boo!' they heard. The king turned to see a young woman holding bars at his foot level in the dungeon of the Dolorous Guard. No one would have recognized her because she was the Lady of the Lake that had been helping Lancelot out the whole time. She was also mad. "'Can I help you?' the king, Arthur, turned around and asked. "'I don't know. Can you?' the woman replied. Arthur sighed. that's... Literally what he just asked, the young woman kicked back at the knights that had come to help her out of the cell that she was in. No, she would never leave, not until he freed her. I'm right here, you're free, Arthur said with a smirk. No, not you, the one who won this castle. Oh my gosh, did he think she was talking about, oh, that's so embarrassing. What do you need me to do to help you, Arthur barked and then calmed down. Sorry, this whole trip had just been terrible. He wanted to help. He also really wanted to go home, so sooner he did the first, he could do the second. No, just go home, the woman said. Arthur rolled his eyes and was about to say something else, but she kept talking. Seriously, go home and put on a tournament. He, the white knight, the one who defeated the Dolorous Guard, would be there. If the knight sent word that you could be released, would you leave then? Gawain asked, stepping forward. The woman shook her head. Nothing short of the white knight coming in person would lead to her freedom. Gawain put on his helmet. Then he had his quest. Come on, you just got back, Arthur said. Gawain ignored him. He would find the identity of this white knight, and he would not stay in any town longer than one night until this woman was freed. She nodded her head. She eagerly awaited Gawain's return then, As Guinevere, Gawain, and Arthur looked out on the setting sun, each of them thought about the stranger in their land. In one week, he had defeated the Dolorous Guard and given Arthur all the strength he needed to defend Britain. His unwillingness to submit to Gawain's request for his identity sent that night on a kingdom-spanning quest, and Guinevere, Guinevere only smiled. As Gawain mounted his horse, Arthur said goodbye and prepared to leave himself oh also a couple weeks ago that weird kid who wouldn't tell them his name Gwen have any news of him he seemed to have dropped off the map after helping out Nohot Gwen shrugged nope he apparently needed Kay to help carry him over the finish line at Nohot if Kay's to be believed he's probably dead by now Arthur nodded yeah probably then he looked at his wife what why was Guinevere smirking did she did, did she think dead knights were funny now those were real people Come on. Guinevere rolled her eyes and mounted her own horse. Could they just please go home? That's where we'll leave things this time. Lancelot is out tying up loose ends, Gawain is searching for Lancelot, Guinevere is processing some powerful new feelings, and Arthur, with all of his tired dad energy, just wants to get home after a very rough vacation. Now that we're back on track with the Arthurian legends, we'll be hitting the high notes. Next up, evil doppelganger Guinevere. But that won't be next week. Next week, we're back in Scandinavian folklore for a story of a troll mob boss and a prophetic merman. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a baguette body pillow, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of this show that are as carb-free and comforting as a baguette body pillow. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creature this time is the yek from India. The yek, Y-E-C-H, is a little gentleman cat, who wears a white hat. Just adorable. Like many creatures of the week, and normal cats, the Yek likes to get into stuff he shouldn't, and cause mischief. People generally ignore the creature, I guess, thinking that its pranks are too innocuous to trouble themselves over. But if you want a mandatory friend for life, well, the Yek can be that for you. I mean, it is a friend that's always plotting against you for their freedom, as all good friends do, so there's that. If you are somehow able to sneak up on the yuck and steal their white hat, the cat will become your servant for as long as you're able to maintain possession of the hat, which, I don't know, I don't need that kind of stress in my life. Making the creature serve you is really kind of a mixed bag though, because while it can go rob people and pile gold in your house, as it apparently did for one family, you pretty much have to keep track of that hat for the rest of your life, because once again, like he did for one family, the cat stole back the gold he stole for the family, and then some, the instant he was freed. You can keep the hat safe though, because while this cat can shapeshift and, according to one source, actually move mountains, it can't lift even the fragments of a millstone. And I know those are so common now, that you won't have any problem finding one. And if you put the hat underneath it, that is the only way you can keep the hat safe. I think the whole thing will just turn you and your family members or roommates into paranoid wrecks though, Because, like, what's someone going to do if the cat shows up in your form, asking them to go to your room and get that tiny hat out from under the chunk of rock? You'll always need to be on your guard from someone who can take the form of anyone you know. I'm not sure why people think it's harmless either. Because one of its pranks is taking the form of someone a person knows and waking that person up and asking for their kangri or their fire pot full of hot coals. The cat will return the kindness by emptying out the hot coals on the giver. The only way to thwart this prank? Empty out the coals on him first. And I guess just hope it's not a family member or a roommate. If you do that, he'll scream all manner of curses and chase after you. Like some vampires, the cat can't cross a flowing stream. So that's how you can get away. Just never return home though, because now you have an angry shape-shifting cat after you that can move mountains. Though most of my experiences with non-magical cats have helped me to see that they don't need any extra incentive to be surly and hold a grudge. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Colmes. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.